Uh, I'm going to shift, um, and I'm going to do something really, really weird for the next three weeks. I'm going to take a story, uh, a biblical narrative in the Gospels that you've probably heard preached in one setting, that I might take uh, two or three settings to preach this particular message. And the reason I want to do it like that is I want, uh, if we're going to achieve breakout as a ministry this year or within the next 18 months or whatever time frame God wants us to be on, uh, there are some key principles that I believe God would have us to learn and we need to understand and we need to receive as it relates to God. So go with me in your Bible to the book of um, John and John chapter 11, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 44, but um, I want to go all the way down to set a little bit of... Um, I don't know what I want to call it. It's not really pretext, post-text, or context. I just want to, I want you to read this for me so I can kind of share what I want to share. And then every week I'm going to give you one of my points because I want it to settle in and I don't want to get ahead. So God can move and have his way on. Go to verse 38. John 11, 38. Yeah. So I'm doing it this way so you, you got to come every Sunday to hear the whole story because you'll leave with a piece, Right? And so we want you all to walk through this with me. Um, John eleven thirty eight. If you are there in your Bibles or electronic device, say amen. amen. Okay, let me read. It says, Then Jesus, deeply moved, came, again came to the tomb. I'm in the ESV. And it said, It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there is an odor, for he has been dead four days. This is a parenthetic. I love the King James here. King James says, he stinketh by now. That just sounds better, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he stinketh by now. Some of us stinketh by now. I kind of, nobody in here, outside, outside. Yeah, nobody in here. Yeah, nobody. Nobody in here. Okay. Yeah, I like the King James right there. <laughs> it's been four days, it says, and there's an odor. That's euphemistic. That's soft. I like the King James. Verse 40. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I knew that you always hear me. But I say this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out, or King James, come forth. The man who had died came out, and his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him Go, um, quote King James again, loose him and let him go. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about that three weeks from now, two or three weeks from now, but I want to read that every week. Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for you. We thank you for the fact that we won't stop running. We'll keep on pressing on for the prize, God. We thank you for the fact that we are on a journey to turn some things around in ministry and sometimes around the trajectory of getting closer to you is extremely difficult and frustrating and hard, and sometimes we don't understand what you're doing. So as we approach this story today, I am praying that you would give us, give us a little more insight into who you are and how you work and how you operate, 
And I'm praying, God, it would be healing to someone as we look at this story in front of us, God, that we would know a little more about your character, a little more about who you are, and a little more about how you operate and how you work. So open our hearts to hear, open our hearts to receive. We bless you, we praise you, we thank you for who you are, God. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. Um, let me do this by way of uh, introduction to kind of talk about this. How many of you have heard that phrase before? If you've been in church any length of time, yeah, you've heard that, right? Um, he may not come when you want him to, but he's always what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got, we've got songs written about that. There's one song that's got a refrain that says, weep in May, endure for a night. Um, keep the faith, don't lose the fight. Y'all don't know it? Y'all ain't been in church long enough. And, um, <laughs> but but, but that, that verse, that saying right there, I believe it's a positive statement in that it kind of implies implicitly, it doesn't say it explicitly, explicitly, that we are the benefactor of God showing up but unspoken or not about that statement is that God's still going to come when we want him to. Implicitly stated, right? And so here's what happens. Um, you've been praying for something, and it didn't happen on that day, but like 10 minutes later or an hour later, or some, like, some point on the continuum, God shows up and fixes the thing. And so that's what we say. Man, he may not come when you want him to, but Lord Jesus, thank you. He's on time, right? He's always on time. I want to I wanna doctor that statement up a little bit and say it like this. He may not come when you want him to because he is on... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, wa I want to rest with that a little bit. That one doesn't feel so good. Let me tell you why that one doesn't feel so good. Because he might not show up when we need him the most. Oh, come on. Do I have any witnesses in here? Yeah. And, and, and this one will cause us to have an attitude with God. A lot of us in here are probably mad with God right now, frustrated with God, bent over whatever the situation with God, because the time, his time, and our time did not align. Yeah. And it wasn't about... Our time, it was about, yeah, yeah, you kind of get what I'm saying? And man, that is the most frustrating thing for us. So here's what I want to talk about um, for the next three weeks. Week. Sometimes Jesus will delay responding to our request for help, so his intervention results in God being glorified. I want us to wrestle with that, right? Sometimes God, Jesus will delay responding to our request for help, so his intervention results in God being glorified, and I want to help us put things in perspective. If we're going to change things in our life, we need to get off of our time clock and get on God's time clock, or God's timetable. Does this make sense? So here's what I want you all to understand. God is always on what? Yeah, turn to the neighbor and say, neighbor. Say, God is always... On his time. Come on, tell your other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. Let them know. Say, God is always on his time. 
Yeah, I want us, I want us, I want us to wrestle with that because um, I'm telling you, this, this doesn't feel as good. It doesn't feel as good. And, and I want to put it in perspective because if we can align our time with God's time, he's going to get the glory out of it, and it turns out well, and we won't get as mad, we won't get as frustrated, and we'll be able to see what God wants to do and how God is going to move in our midst. So a couple of things I just want to share with you. Um, here's the first thing I want you to take away as we kind of talk to this this morning, and I'll, I'll be brief because I, I said I'm going to preach three short messages versus one long one. Number one, I need everybody to understand with me as we kind of walk into this thing as opposed to being, for us to understand God is always on his time. God is glorified when we learn the truth that we are on his time and not ours. Okay? Very, very important principle I want us to understand as we walk through it. That God is always glorified when we learn the truth, okay, that we are on his time and not ours. Let me tell you how it will help us out. We will stop pointing fingers at each other. We will stop blaming people. We'll stop saying, I wish he had a. We'd stop all that kind of stuff. And we would go for the ride in the moment so God can do what God needs to do in the moment. Does that make sense, guys? Okay, so let's kind of work through this and let's talk through this real quick. So here's, let me, let me say this as we kind of talk to that first point. Here's 1A. Now, let me begin here and then we're going to read. Let me paraphrase it, then I'm going to read it. Your spirituality, personal relationship, longevity in the Christian faith, amount of times a day you pray, uh, let me put myself in it, we pray, how much we tithe or don't, generations of Christianity that exist in our family unit, None of that stuff has no impact on adjusting God's time frame to ours. That is upsetting. That, let's be truthful, that is upsetting. Because the reason I live right is so when I snap my finger, God will show up. Let's be honest this morning. And when I snap my finger and he doesn't show up, I start to raise the question, what's the point? Or don't act like it's just me. Because we look at the world and we see everything that's going on in the world. We see all that's happening all around us. And here's our justification when calamity comes in our life. Man, Lord, you know I've been living right. Lord, I mean, if you were to count the amount of tithe that I paid since I've been saved, don't forget I got saved at seven and I used to use my allowance money to tithe. So, Lord, I'm 55 right now. That comes into about $400,000. You know I got access. Let's talk this morning, guys. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. God, you know how many times I held my tongue when I should have went off on so and so forth. So I've been trying to get it right. I've changed. I've given this up. Matter of fact, Lord, marijuana is legal in Colorado right now. So I got access. But I'm not, not <laughs> come on, y'all. But I'm not doing, Lord, because I want to stay faithful such that when I call, you better respond. Here's, here's how we say it in the faith movement. I'm obligating you. 
And a lot of us have fooled ourselves into thinking that our personal relationship with him will shape his response. And I want to open up by saying to you this morning, that has no impact on God adjusting his timetable to our request. Now, let me read the text, and we're going to walk through it, and I'll share some things. Are you with me? Um, But let me say this now before I forget to say it. Repeat after me. Say, God is sovereign. And, And let me tell you what the sovereignty of God means, that he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to, because he's God. He's omnipotent. He has all power. He's omniscient. He knows everything. That means you don't provide him with information that he forgot about or that he didn't have before he created you. That's what the omniscience of God means. And not only is he omniscient, but he is omnipresent, which means that he's not restricted by space or the continuum of time. So let me tell you what that looks like. Even though he had no beginning because he refused to begin, when you came on the scene thousands of years later, he was already there to find out what you already know before you showed up. So because you came on the scene and started to pray him, you're not providing him information that he didn't have at the beginning when the beginning began. So you're not introducing new data into the equation. So before we came on the scene, he set time in motion, and there's nothing you and I can do to cause him to adjust this late in the game. Are we okay? Look at this crazy story in front of us. It opens up by saying in verse 1 that a certain man was ill of chapter 11. Lazarus of Bethany, the text says, The village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So verse 3 says, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, him who you love is ill. Now, I love John because John kind of overuses this word love quite a bit. And if you read this story, you will notice in in, in tickets in verse 3, in verse 5, and down in verse 36, he mentions this love relationship that Jesus had with with these three individuals, Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. And if you understand the depth of the relationship, the text pointedly says that they were from the town of Bethany. And and I would believe if if you look at that text, what it's really saying is that these people located, and, and me, if I were to dig into the text, would simply assume that these weren't ordinary people, that if you went to Bethany, you knew who Mary and Martha were. They were prominent individuals. Matter of fact, if you read um, the Gospels in its entirety, you will find out that whenever Jesus went to Bethany, guess where he went? To the big house. Come on, y'all now. He went and he hung out with them because he had relationship with them. Matter of fact, John even goes as far as to, to amplify on the relationship by defining exactly who Mary was. Here's what he said about her. This was the Mary, and this is in John chapter 12, that the word on the street has gotten out that she used some expensive ointment and poured it on the feet of Jesus and wiped her feet, I mean his feet, with her hair. 
there. Jesus had a relationship with these people. They were close. They were tight. They knew each other quite well. And then watch what the text says. And because of the relationship they had with him, when calamity hit their house, they called out to him and said, Jesus, hey, my brother is sick. And they expected, just like you would and I would, because of the love relationship, he should show up. Oh, come on, y'all. Come on, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. Here's what it looks like when friends turn their backs on us. We remind them of what we did for them. We remind them of, of, of how much we, we expended on them. We remind them of, of how close we were. We remind them of how we gave ourselves for them. So in a sense, what the author of this text is doing is reminding you and I contextually today of what these individuals did for Jesus. And then all of a sudden, they found themselves in a calamity. They cry out to him. And the expectation is because of this relationship, Jesus better show up. I'm trying to get somebody to understand you can't manipulate Jesus. We can't manipulate God to adjust, listen to this carefully, his timetable to our crisis. Uh, This is going to help somebody in a little while. I want you all to get this. Come on, talk to me. We cannot, I mean, manipulate God to adjust his sovereign will, his omnipotent plan. We can't expect God to adjust everything that he has set in motion because of us. And let me go here. I know this is extremely difficult for some of us to swallow. It doesn't matter how close we are to him. Quick example, then I'm going to leave it alone. People that he called to be his own, he allowed them to spend 400 years in slavery in Egypt before he responded because their prayers were premature to his timetable. Now, let me say, because y'all want to say it, that's some crazy stuff. I need you, God. Come on, we've got songs written about that. I need the oh, I need. Come on, yeah. Every I know, come bless me. Not, yeah, there it is. There it is right there. There it is right there. Yeah, right there. Bless me now, my Savior. And, and, and here's the relationship card. I come. So where you at? If I showed up, you better show up because there's a need, there's a crisis, there's a situation, there's a calamity. And if I call you, God, you ought to show up. Please understand with me, there is nothing you and I can do to adjust God's timetable to ours. And that is hard. That is hard. That is difficult because I am human. And when I'm suffering, I want deliverance from my suffering right now. And, and let me say this, and I'm going to move on to the next point. And culture doesn't help because we are a right now generation. And as culture has shifted, everything about us right now is instantaneous. Come on, come on, come on. I mean, you want, you want to get, you know, uh, uh, 
get rid of a cold, you pop a pill. Come on. You want to get rid of something, you pop this. You want food right now, you pop it in the microwave. And everything about us is pop it right now, and we become an impatient people. And the problem with that is we've translated our impatience on our relationship with God. And when he doesn't respond in our time frame, we look at our culture. I can get whatever I want right now. God, you ought to act just like that. And he wants us to understand a personal relationship has no impact on adjusting our time frame to his. 1B, the providence of God mandates that all of our experiences work together for his glory. Hear this out. Then I'm going to read. Because of the providence of God, he's got to let us go through it. so he can take it to use it for his glory. And that's difficult, right? Let me read the text. Watch this real quick. Look at verse 4. Well, look at 3 just to kind of set the transition. So the sister sent him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill or sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness or illness does not lead to death, but it is for what? The glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Look at verse 5. Now, look at this again. The author's given us more detail. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was healed, he didn't catch the next camel leaving where he was. The text says he stayed two days longer in that place where he was. My goodness today, if there's one thing that upsets me is when I call my kids and they don't come on my timetable. Hey, Dad, a couple more levels. I almost got that booger, Dad. I'm going to be there. And two hours later, by then, I'm standing there with the belt, you know, <laughs> I guess I better not say that publicly because somebody worked for social service here. <laughs> uh, imagine Jesus show up. And here's what the text says. The message was received. This is important. It's not that the prayers were delayed. The response was the problem. And what's even more striking about the response, this is not one of those Daniel situations where the enemy intercepted the prayer and it had to wrestle to go through. The moment he got word, he listened, but he kept playing. And then here's what he says. Let me read it. Here's what he says. The illness, verse 4, is not for death. But it is for what? The glory of God, so the Son of God might be what? Glorified. Oh, you got to hear me. Now, let me just quote this. We don't have time to go this. Romans 8 and 28 puts it this way. Um, um, for the ESV, for those who love God in all things, God works together for the what? The good. Here's how some of your other translations says it. All things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are what? Called according to his purpose. We hear it, we say it, we quote it, we really don't believe it because we don't like it. And the only time we like it is when he shows up on our time, not his time. 
I wish somebody was here to hear me. I want to put perspective on this so we can understand God, so we can continue to worship him, not only in the good, but also in the bad. Not only in the, in the fun time, but in the sad time. Come on. Not only when it's raining, but when the desert shows up. Come on. Not only when there's food, but when there is no food. Not only when the marriage is well, but when the marriage is falling apart. Well, understand that our situation does not define who he is. He's still God in the midst of every storm. And sometimes he will hear you your prayer, but he will sit still and ignore it to take you through it so he can be glorified. Now, I know this is not a a, a popular gospel because we think our life on earth is about us. God did not create me for me. He created me for him. Are, are you hearing me? He created me for his purpose. He created me for his glory. So when it comes to my relationship and God, I have to stop looking so internally and start looking vertically at God and say, Lord, what do you want? What are you doing? What's going to happen? How do you want me to handle this? Because at the end of all of this, you're going to be glorified. Now, the problem with you and the problem with me is when we find ourselves in a situation or we see somebody in the midst of a storm, we are quick to show up to want to get them out of it and Sometimes God wants us to leave them. I wish I had somebody in here to leave them alone, let them go through it, and quit delivering people so quick so they can learn the lesson. The reason our children repeat the time they spent in jail and they get out and they go back in and they get out and they go back in is because we show up too quick. Come on, I need somebody in here. The reason we've gotten married and divorced so many times is because we deliver ourselves too quick and we don't spend time processing saying, God, what are you doing? Sometimes you got to leave it alone, especially when God is leaving it alone. (laughs) Especially when God is leaving it alone because he's always on his time, not my time. Does this make sense, guys? Are you hearing me? I want y'all to hear me say this carefully. Is that the thing I want y'all to get with 1B is the providence of God mandates that all of our experiences work together for the good. Regardless of how bad it feels right now, regardless of how crazy the storm is, if we can keep, let me, can I steal it? If we can not stop running, at the end we're going to make it to the finish line. Quit thinking me, 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 me. Excuse the grammar. What is I'm going to do? How am I going to get out of this? God, when are you going to fix it for me? As opposed to God, your will, not mine. Oh, I wish I had one witness in here. This doesn't feel good. It it will, it will at the end. It will at the end. Two weeks from now, it'll feel really, really good. Um, but, But I want us to understand right now, it's not about Felix. It's about... Point to yourself and say, self, it's not about me. It's all about God. One more time. Say, it's not about me. It's all about God. Now, look at this. It says, when Jesus, he loved Martha. I'm in verse 5, and his sister Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, 
he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, you're going to hear this in a couple of weeks. The journey from Bethany to where Jesus was was no doubt a, a two-day journey, meaning one day there and another day back. Okay, it, took, it took a long time to get to where Jesus was. It wasn't like they had Mercedes Benz like some of um, well, y'all have. Um, it wasn't. I'm just kidding. It wasn't that, that they could pick up the phone and he said, put your ear to the phone and touch your head real fast. Lay it on your chest. I'm going to pray a prayer and you're going to feel the healing come through the line. It was none of that stuff. They had to walk to deliver the message. And if you understand the omniscience and the omnipotence of God, some commentators are, are very fine of saying that by the time the message got to him, um, Lazarus was probably already dead. What's the rush? Are you with me? Okay, so let's keep going. Let's keep going. Look at this. I'm almost done. I'm almost this. Watch this now. So, because of the delay of God, we need to learn to seize the moment. This is what I've been saying for the past series. When God is working to be on mission with him. Seize the moment when God is working to be on mission with who? Him. Just say this real loud. Say self. Stop focusing on self. And start, and start focusing on God. In your worst nightmare, God, what are you doing? <laughs> In your most difficult pain, God, what are you doing? Just got fired from your job. God, what are you doing? See, we don't pray like that. No, we don't. We don't. Deliver us from evil. That's our favorite line. Come on, y'all. Come on. 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 That's how we pray, okay? God, what are you doing? So watch this. He stayed there two days. Let me talk about the text. Then I'm going to read this verse. He stayed two days where he was. And then look at verse 7. Then after he had said, after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And, you know, talking about him getting to the end of his life. And you are going there again? And here's a profound statement that Jesus answered. Verse 9. Are there not 12 hours in the day? And if anyone walks in the day, um, he does not stumble because he sees what? The light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not with him. Now, let me just say this real quick, and then I'm going to move on. Lock into this. Seize the moment. Here's the thing, and, and I want, I'm going to say this text this way, then we're going to flesh it out a little bit on Wednesday because I don't have time to go into it. The delays of God is to get us to recognize the presence of God in the moments of God so we can become like him. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. Okay. The delays of God equates to God trying to open our eyes to the moments of God so we can learn, I'm going to paraphrase it differently, to depend on him in the moment. So here's what he's really saying. Listen, y'all, there's 12 hours in the day. So in other words, that 12 hours has um, opportunities and it has limitations. In other words, so this is what it looks like. If the morning come and you don't do nothing all morning, but then night come and you try to do something at night, here's the back end of that phrase, you're stumbling at night because you don't have light to guide you. The moment has passed. 
But if the morning is here and you seize the moment, there's opportunities within the limitations of that time frame that you can get a lot done. But the problem with us is we're so caught up in what's happening in the moment that that when it's too late, we try to, to help God out in the dark times. And here's what he's really trying to say. When the light is with you, let the light shine on what you're going through. Don't wait until, I wish I had somebody in here. Don't wait until it's dark for you to try to work because you can't see. Lord, they just try to kill you. I'm good because it's not time doesn't belong to them. No how. If I tell you it's time, then guess what? Come on, y'all, act like y'all with me. If I tell y'all it's time, then guess what? Here's what we do. Let me get ahead of myself. Your relationship is jacked up. You mad with Jane or Billy or whoever it is, and morning comes, and you hear God say, come on, let's go fix it. I wish I had. And here's what you say to God. That's you, that ain't me. Come on, because, because the last time I tried in that moment, they stoned me. And God's trying to say, it wasn't time yet. And and you try to bring me on your timetable, and your timetable is not my timetable. So whenever you move out of my timetable, yes, they're going to try to stone you. But if you could stay in my time, you've got my protection, you've got my guidance. So listen, if I'm telling y'all it's time for us to go because I'm done sitting it out, it's time to go. Man, that's difficult, that's difficult, that's difficult. Because God, I want it now, I want it now, I want it now. Am I the only one that want it now? Come on, sir, preacher, we with you so I can know. Yeah, yeah, no, that's only two people. Come on, y'all. Are we together here? Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Because the text gets even more interesting. Okay, so now watch this. Let me move on to the last thing I want to share, and then we're going to end this and I'm pick it up. So he delays his intervention intentionally to place us on his time. I don't like this point, but I like this point. And my marriage wasn't working, I didn't like this point. Now that I'm a little older, I like this point. Because I can appreciate the truth that God is always on his time. So I've learned, Felix, it's not about what you want when you want it. It's about what God wants you to have when he wants you to have it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I am a lot more appreciative of God giving me what he wants me to have when he wants me to have it, not when I request it. Let's walk this out. Let's walk this out. I can't, see why I can't preach the whole text? Look at, look at verse 11. So after he's saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus is what? Asleep. He's falling asleep, and I go to awaken, waken him. This is a parenthetic. This is a parenthetic. This is a, a, a Gilbert commentary right now. Um, this is one of those fresh from the Holy Spirit moments. When you look at your situation through the lens of God, it's not as bad 
as we make it out humanistically. It's not. Through the lens of Christ. But through my lens, Lord Jesus. Oh, God. Lord. And here's God up in heaven. It don't take all that. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Because he, he, brother dead. And here's God. Oh, he ain't dead. He just, he just napping. Now, this is the, now, now look, and, and so, so here's the disciples, just like us, right? Okay, the disciples said to him in verse 12, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, then he's going to wake up. He's going to recover. And, and this is the Ebonic version in verse 13. There's a parenthetic that's not there. You bunch of dumb fools, ignorant people. Y'all don't see that because it's like in the Aramaic. <laughs> I'm messing, I'm messing. It's not even Hebrew or Greek, it's Aramaic. <laughs> Verse 13. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking a rest. Verse 14. So Jesus told them plainly, listen y'all, Lazarus has died, and this is the part that I don't like, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe but let us go to him. That is not a pretty verse of scripture. Wait till next week or a couple of weeks when he shows up. Here's what he's telling his disciples. Hey, y'all, I knew he was sick. Matter of fact, when the messenger showed up, and he told me he was sick, I heard. But I intentionally did not show up. Not because of me, but because of you. And then he had an attitude. I'm glad I wasn't there. But now, so you can see why I wasn't there, let me go fix it. Jesus intentionally delays his intervention to place us on his time because it's not about my timetable, it's about me adjusting to God's time. Let me help you with this because this bugs me. This text really, really bugged me as I process it. Here, let me begin with my own story. Here's what God was saying. Listen, I knew you were going to get cancer before you got the cancer. And I didn't show up for a reason. And the reason I didn't show up, because I wanted you to learn some things through it. Now here's the back end. Here's the back end. Now that you've gone through it, let me show up and tell you now why I did what I did and adjust you to my timetable so you can learn it's not about you, it's all about me. I wish I had somebody in here. Now, now hang on, hang on, hang on, don't say amen yet. Y'all not gonna like me in a little while because Lord, I prayed at the beginning of the divorce 
and you mean to tell me that you heard my prayer and you let me go through all that ugly, I wish I had somebody in here and you didn't intervene to deliver me from it? No, I didn't. I watched it and I sat still because it's not about you. It's about my timetable and what I want to do. So now that you're through it, I'm about to show up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lord, you let me file bankruptcy. Come on, come on. Come on, Lord, you let me go to jail. Lord, you let me get sick. Yes, I did. And I didn't intervene because you cannot manipulate me. Now that you're through it. All right, come on, let's go. And he shows up. And on the back end of the storm, he does his most work and his most effective work because had he done it in front of the storm, we would have shared in his glory. And he's like, no, I need you to die. I wish I had. I wish I had. I need you to move out of the way. So while you're praying, I'm clipping my fingernails up in heaven. Come on now, while you're praying, I'm, I'm, I'm eating me some, well, I almost said pork chops. Ain't no pork chops in heaven. <laughs> yeah. While, while, yeah, yes, I know some of y'all are really sad when you heard that. Um, but while you're praying, I am going to ignore your prayer because you cannot manipulate me to your timetable because I need to work something out for your good so I can be glorified in it. So this is what it looks like when the doctor said, there's nothing else I can do. You about to die. God says, let him. Because <laughs> I don't want no doctor sharing in my glory for what I'm about to do. Because I still am the resurrection and the life. So listen, when you at the divorce court about to sign that line and you're done and you say, God, where you at? He said, do what you got to do, baby, because I got you on the back end. So this is what it looks like. My grace is sufficient because it is in your weakness that I am made strong. And a lot of us can't appreciate God because we want him to show up right now. Oh, girl, he showed up on time. Sometimes he won't. And it's when he delays his response. What is your response? What is my response? <sighs> That's where he wants to do his work. He delays to put me in line with his time. We're going to see this in a little while so he can be glorified. Here's what this looks like. So don't get upset in slow responses to your prayer. Pray anyhow. <laughs> can I say it again, Rashid? Don't stop running. Yeah, don't, don't get upset because the relationship ain't working right now. Here's what I said to you a couple of weeks ago. It ain't about him or her straightening out. It's about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and be okay with the delays of God because the sovereignty of God says, my urgency does not equate to an urgency with God. It doesn't. So why you got, Lord, 
they going to put me house. And God said, well, I made the trailer parks. I made the cars. I made everything. And if I take care of the birds, won't I take care of you? And we don't know him like that. We don't know him like that. We don't know him like that. So sometimes to strengthen our relationship with him, he delays his response to mature us, to put us on his time. I think it's called trusting God and trusting him at another level. Let me read this and then I'm done. Look at, look at this last phrase because this one, this, this, this phrase tripped me out uh, when I saw it. I want to look at this. Just look at the last phrase real quick and uh, then I'm stopping. Verse 16. Thomas, so Thomas called Didymus or the twin, said to the fellow's disciples, let us go that we may die with him. In other words, Jesus, if you're going and they're going to stone you to death, I guess we might as well go with you and die with you. And as crazy as the statement may sound, I think that's what Jesus really wants, is he wants us to die with him so we can live with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live after the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. If there is no death, there is no resurrection. I want you to hear me say this. And here's what happens. Sometimes premature deliverance results in no death and a struggle waiting for resurrection. So the quicker we can learn that our time is not God's, the faster we will learn to live in Christ. This is quartet days. You can't hurry God. Y'all know that. No matter how hard you try, he's a God that you can't hurry. Come on, y'all, old folk, y'all, y'all should have been like, y'all know y'all want to go there. <laughs> we cannot hurry him. In the moments, here's how Blackaby says it, you rely on the last thing God says, wait, I say, on the Lord. Isaiah, and I'm done. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall walk and not faint. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Bow your heads with me. <laughs> Worship team, come. Holy Spirit, you're a wonderful God. What a passage, Lord, in front of us. What a narrative, what a story. That sometimes, Jesus, you delay responding to our request for help so that when you intervene, your intervention, it results in God being glorified. Let us be okay with what you're doing, as difficult as it may seem, because you're in control. So as we look at this story, Lord, We're just on the front end of it. Two people that you love, yet you press them through an uncomfortable situation. We love you and you love us. And sometimes you will press us to an uncomfortable situation. Let us be okay with that, God. 
Because our trust is in you, not the circumstance, not the storm, not the situation. It's all about you. So this morning, God, we want to start afresh. We want to surrender it all to you. We want to give it to you, God. We want to allow you to be God in our midst, Lord. So forgive us for rushing you, Lord. And if there's one here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, we're praying that you would just be God in their life and that you would draw them to a relationship with you. Draw us all. Draw us all, God. So we give it all to you, God. So bless and have your way. In your name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's all stand to our feet.